the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, Thursday, November 10th, 2022. Sorry about that. Uh, in uh, re-Trump versus DeSantis, I don't have a lot of interesting things to say about it beyond what I have said uh, yesterday and in the past. Uh, and the debate for the pro-Trump side that states we owe it to Trump or I, who am more inclined towards DeSantis, are buying into liberal left narratives. All, all I ask is for folks to think of one liberal left thing Ron DeSantis has done stands for. And the question of um, this issue of what we owe, the owing argument, owing someone um, a run, the owing argument is what every Republican who ran against Trump made in 2015 and 2016. We as the grand old party, I'd like to think garnered votes and candidates the old fashioned way. We earn them. I do know civil wars in our party do not behoove us as we write the talking points for the Democrats every single time we engage in them. If you think of some of our closer races in the general election are resultants from massively negative ads from the Democrats, and there were a ton, half of their material came from other Republicans who scripted it, who fought them in the primaries. I think we need to think about that long and hard. While there is not a lot new or interesting to say beyond what I have and what has been out there and what many of you have said, the most interesting things I'm seeing are twofold. Uh, Many of Donald Trump's most loyal supporters over the years and employees like Kayleigh McEnany yesterday have given him advice he's just disregarding out of hand. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just worried about an increasingly insular mindset that takes little counsel. The very thing every classical story reveals is the downfall of great leaders, foible based on hubris or pride. The other interesting thing I've heard speculated, and this is really interesting, is that Donald Trump may have in mind the formation or revivification of a third party, something he has explored before with the Reform Party. In both cases, I hope they're not true. I want to remember a great man for his best actions, not his last ones. But it does bring forth a question we have to address every once in a while, which I think is underlying some of these fissures, and that is what is a Republican? What does it mean to be a Republican? What does the Republican Party stand for? What should it stand for? And, you know, as some are, I think, wrongly licking wounds, uh, and perhaps others are... um, are, are are not seeing the bene- the 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 upside uh, are not as sanguine about what happened Tuesday and what the trend lines are looking for this is really at bottom what the debate is all about what is the republican party what should it stand for should it ditch certain issues should it emphasize more of other issues and my starting point is really the formation of the party if you want to know what what the party should be And what I think most of its members have thought of it, look at its starting point. 
that's what we do with America. We look at its founding. We should do the same with the founding of the Republican Party in 1856. And its thread that runs through all its all-stars, from Abraham Lincoln to Calvin Coolidge, let's say, to, if we're just going by centuries here, to Barry Goldwater, to Ronald Reagan, to the names we're talking about today. For a party that seems to disdain single-issue voters, it's a funny thing that abortion seems to be the first issue that is always raised in these discussions, and it's being raised again today. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that word the past few days from fellow Republicans as something we need to rethink, more so than I can recall in a long time. Maybe if our messaging was better, it would not have been so discussed in the aftermath of the election. Maybe if the messaging was more the way George Kaloff and I had been talking about it, maybe if Republicans didn't trim and cower from the issue and somehow silently or um, uh, ineluctably concede the uh, extremism argument from the left or the Democrats, we wouldn't be talking about it so much. Over 60 percent of Americans to up to 70 plus percent actually agree with the essentials of the Dobbs Mississippi law. That 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 argument was almost that point was almost never made. And there was somehow a fear to discuss what that law actually was that was used to overturn Roe versus Wade. I can't tell you how many smart families I know have young adults in them. You may know some of the same that have a completely misdirected and misunderstanding of what the Dobbs decision was. They got it from the news. They got it from their schools. They should have gotten corrections from their families. In any event, when I hear this, when I get these questions and these arguments, the first piece of evidence raised on behalf of the liberal or pro-choice mindset among Republicans is that, well, you know, you invoke Barry Goldwater all the time, and the sainted Barry Goldwater was actually pro-choice. Again, historical revisionism and not fully accurate. Uh, Goldwater became pro-choice in the latter parts of his life, but as recently as his very last election, his very last Senate race in 1980, he endorsed the Human Life Amendment. As Lee Edwards, Goldwater's uh, definitive biographer, wrote, quote, he also signed an amicus brief in favor of the Hyde Amendment, which prohibited federal dollars from paying for abortions, and Arizona Right to Life endorsed him. Always brings up the interesting historian's question. Do you judge someone by what they said when they were seeking office and when they were in office or what they said and did when they were no longer in office and were no longer seeking it? I'll leave that there for the time being. This is not the gravamen of my thought today, though. Instead, I'd like to move beyond the specifics to some general thoughts. You hear a lot, after all, about Trump having changed the party of Reagan and variants on that theme or statement. Uh, defiant, norm-busting are not unusual adjectives. So really, what is a Republican? As mentioned, I always suggest one start with the very first Republican Party platform from 1856, the platform that convinced Abraham Lincoln, later our first Republican president, to become a Republican. People all across our party still revere Lincoln, don't they? I should start by pointing out that social issues, family values, as they used to be called, cultural issues, were always part and parcel of the Republican Party, beginning from the get-go in 1856. Consider the first Republican Party platform read this way, quote, resolved 
that the Constitution confers upon Congress sovereign power over the territories of the United States for their government, and then the exercise of this power. It is both the right and the imperative duty of Congress to prohibit in the territories those twin relics of barbarism, polygamy and slavery, close quote. So you have right there, right after the platform spent a lot of language restating the principles and language from the Declaration of Independence, the party then resolved to not only oppose slavery, but also polygamy, using a pretty strong phrase, twin relics of barbarism. This made all the sense in the world, of course. And as you know, Utah could not be admitted to the Union until it banned polygamy. As for slavery, there was, aside from polygamy perhaps, but with a great deal more force and evil, no greater threat to the values of family. Human beings downgraded into property, mothers ripped from children, husbands from wives, if they could marry. An entire parade of horribles to the black family we could spend the whole day describing. Since, as I assume we still do like and revere Lincoln, our first Republican president, let me just quote him a bit. Two years after the new Republican Party was formed and all eyes were on Lincoln in Illinois, he gave a speech saying this, quote, it's not a speech, by the way, you, I have to say, you often see in the textbooks. Quote, in the founder's enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbruted by its fellows. They grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the farthest posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants. And so they established the great self-evident truths that when in the distant future, some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the temple of liberty was being built. Close quote. Maybe that's worth quoting to those who say today's Republican Party brings too much cultural or religious expression with it. But it is fair to say something did change in the Republican Party, and it was an abandonment of these sentiments, these sentiments and the idea of natural rights in our declaration, especially with the candidacy of Teddy Roosevelt and his presidency. He, of course, became a leader of the progressive movement, which is why he, too, ultimately left the party of Abraham Lincoln. He ran against a Republican named William Taft and the Bull Moose Party, was formed. It was not the party's official name as it came to be known. It was a nickname. It's important to know what the official name of the Bull Moose Party is. Quote, the Progressive Party of the United States. Then, beginning with Calvin Coolidge, the party regained much of its original positioning until Dwight Eisenhower. Recall why Dwight Eisenhower, by the way, picked Richard Nixon as his running mate. Two main reasons to bolster his conservative con credentials, and because Richard Nixon, no irony here, this was our party after all, pulled really well with African Americans and black voters, as Republicans always should have, and did until 1964. 
But that was a pivotal year for the party, as it was Barry Goldwater's candidacy that proved such a revolution. And by revolution, I mean a turning back to origins, which is what a revolution properly understood is. It's a turnaround, quite literally, back to basics. The party had become soft in the 1940s and 1950s, trying to really accommodate Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal without fully abandoning it. Think of people, Republicans like Earl Warren, Republican governor of California, former vice presidential nominee, later appointed to be chief justice of the Supreme Court. And nearly everything we think about with regard to constitutional perversions in our culture and our courts came from or began in what was and still is known as the Warren Court, especially on social issues. This would work its way from issues having to do with prayer in school to race issues to ultimately the precursor to abortion with Warren himself in the majority of those liberal departing decisions. Indeed, in his landmark book, Conscience of a Conservative, which was the prelude to his run for presidency, Barry Goldwater attacked the Warren Court and Warren himself, writing, quote, In effect, the Supreme Court says what matters is not the ideas of the men who wrote the Constitution, but the court's ideas. It was only by engrafting its own views onto the established law of the land that the court was able to reach the decisions it's been reaching, close quote. Thus, the birth of the living constitution or outcome-based jurisprudence or judicial activism. Goldwater was forced square against it. Republicans like Earl Warren originated it. And the fight against conservatives trying to wrest control of the party back to its original roots was not a happy or kind story either. Nelson Rockefeller, who challenged Goldwater in 1964, ran on a campaign painting Goldwater as an irresponsible reactionary. Indeed, he sent a a mailer to California voters asking, who do you want in the room with the H-bomb button? Rockefeller routinely, and at his speech at the convention in 1964, called Goldwater and his followers extremists. That's what prompted Goldwater's line, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. It wasn't directed at issues of Vietnam or the USSR. It was directed at Rockefeller and his supporters. No surprise, really, that Mitt Romney used to brag that his father, George Romney, walked out of the GOP convention when Goldwater said those words. That should tell you a lot. Now, there's a lot more to say here, but let me put it this way. Ronald Reagan, I think we can all agree almost as much as Abraham Lincoln, came to the national political scene as a Republican in his most decisive way in a major nationally televised speech on behalf of Goldwater in 1964. We talked in depth about it with John Shattuck about a week ago. Reagan concluded his speech denouncing Nikita Khrushchev and those who would seek accommodation with him. He did it this way, quote, You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools, and our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. He continued, you and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which you may not advance. This is the meaning in the phrase of Barry Goldwater's peace through strength, Reagan continued, 
and then said, Winston Churchill wrote, The destiny of man is not measured by material computation. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we are spirits, not animals. And he said there is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. Close quote. That was Reagan's defense of the phrase extremism, by the way, from the Goldwater campaign, and it was directed against soft Republicans as much as independents and Democrats. I have so much more to say, but those who say what I'm hearing a bit too much of today, that it's time to abandon these cultural issues, well, they are the ones that are departing from Republican Party history and catechism. Those who say we have to soften our positions, well, tell that to a Ron DeSantis or an Abraham Lincoln or a Ronald Reagan or a 2016 Donald Trump. Those who say we will surrender the women's vote, tell that to Ron DeSantis. Tell it to Ron DeSantis, who won women in every category and signed an abortion bill equivalent to the Dobbs legislation in Mississippi. Tell it to Christy Noem. Tell it to Carrie Lake. It's not the issue or the issues. It's whether we retreat from them that is the problem and subtly, as I say, but surely and certainly concede the extremism charged to the Democrats when we trim and act defensively and apologetically. Anyway, just a few things on my mind, but I'll say again what I said yesterday. There is nothing that wrong with our party that requires massive retooling. We won this election, and the question again is by how much. The other side lost, and while they're deciding how many bandages and band-aids they need, we're looking at what our leadership and prioritization for our agenda should be. You tell me what side you'd rather be on. As for the looming internal fight, my plea is to look at things as they truly are, and as Irving Crystal put it, the mystifying should all become quite obvious. Happy to talk about all of this and more. Your show, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Little show direction here. We're going to have Sam Stone in studio joining us at the top of the hour, taking your calls, anything you want to ask him as well about uh, about the uh, the counting, uh, the votes, the tallies, a- a- anything you want. Uh, hopefully, a lot on merits as well. He's been a uh, he is a candidate uh, for city council. He is also the uh, chair of the uh, policy. Uh, counsel for Kerry Lake, uh, Chief Policy Advisor to Kerry Lake. Uh, 602-508-0960. It's a, just a brief moment. We'll go right to break and we'll come back taking your calls. Let me put in a word for our sponsor, Midas Gold Group, as we do that. Gold has been used as money for thousands of years, and it still remains a common sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need pushy commission salespeople to tell you why you should buy it. You probably already want it. What you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins. So will you get what you want at the best value? Enter the Midas Gold Group veteran-owned and staffed, proud supporters of this station and this show. They're fighting for your right to financial privacy that gold offers and the financial stability as well. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of our listeners know and trust, and that's the Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? Leanne is in Chandler. Hello, Leanne. Hi, Seth. I love your program. Thank you. Um, I am um, a precinct committeeman. Oh, have good. been working hard. It's a volunteer position. Yep. Um, that makes you and I brethren working... and brethren or sisterin or <laughs> brothers and sisters. <laughs> well, I've only been doing it since January, trying to help with the effort and sometimes full time this for you. year. Good for you. But um, I have have seen the inside workings of the Republican Party and about politics. Yeah. And I I have learned a lot, <laughs> and some of it that I've learned I'm. Not very happy to learn, but you can't unsee something yeah, once you've I know, seen it. <laughs> I know, I know. It does. So, I, 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 yeah. I've been in some of those rooms. Go ahead, though. Go right ahead. Yeah. So um, yesterday, I uh, volunteered to do some electioneering, which is standing outside seventy-five feet uh, away from the door of the voting center and handing out Republican. Uh, voting guides to anyone that was interested. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't expect there to be another person there, and he was—he had a Clint Smith shirt, and I didn't catch on for sure what he was doing. I didn't know what he was standing there for. I—I I came in about uh, four, and he came in before me, evidently, and uh, found out that he was handing out Clint Smith brochures. And of course, Clint Smith was the independent that um, got out of the Republican Party to run against Andy Biggs. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. So so that was very We want a big tent, but we want a big tent of Republicans. Right. And I won't go into all the conversations. We finally did have some conversations, and I will discuss that some other time. But um, I I have been thinking about this um, Trump announcing his candidacy or possibly. Yeah, yeah, his Tuesday, next Tuesday's announcement. Right. What do you think? Well, I agree with the caller that came in yesterday. I think that Trump should not run. Um, he evidently has not learned to respect people. He he uh, said run sanctimonious, and he had a little bit of threatening language about DeSantis. And I just don't think, I think he should be involved, but I don't think he should run because we have got to pull the Republican people together, um, and I don't think he can do it. And I think there are other people that would do a fabulous job. I would love to see him be an active person as far as helping in the campaign. Um, so, but this never Trump person, you can never get these never Trumpers to our side. But we might be able to get some of the establishment people, which I call rhinos, to come over if we had a candidate that was very qualified but not Trump. So that's my yeah, thought. Yeah, Leanne, thank you. I um, I I would love to uh, pull our audience on that very uh, on that very question uh, to be sure. 
And of course, we'll know more Tuesday. Uh, you know that I don't want to make too much of it. I just do want to plant the flag. Some of some of what I have seen is discussion that he he may even you know form or try to you know uh, involve himself and in, and 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 take a third party um, route. Um, that I mean. <laughs> He, he's good at making news, and um, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes, you know, what is it someone once said about Winston, one of Winston Churchill's friends said about Winston Churchill? He said, "When he's when he's good, he's great, and when he's wrong, oh my God!" <laughs> you know, right? And I, I and know. I'm hearing you. I'm <laughs> hearing you on the last week or so. It's been more OMG than he, when he's good, he's great, right? It, it just yeah. Has been. And I yeah. love I love President Trump, sure. and I love what he did sure. for our country. Don't sure. get me wrong. Yeah. And I love his policies, but I think that he has planted a lot of seeds. He's empowered a lot of people, and we have. A lot of people like Carrie Lake now, yep. and I think it's great. Yep. But Th- those um, are his great I, legacies, and he should be, and we should be proud of that. And it would, someone had mentioned yesterday, it would be a good off ramp if he could, you know, maintain that position that these are his legacies and uh, and do what he can to help them, rather than to actively campaign against them, as he did with that desanctimonious comment, as he did with several other comments about Ron DeSantis in the last 72 hours. Leanne, thank you. We'll talk more. And there's room for more. Be right back. Welcome back. If you are concerned with the volatility of the stock market, uh, why refi is offering an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio. You'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises and turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest rate is compounded daily. You're paid monthly and there are no fees. It's a, it's an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. How high? Up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. Up to 1025 5%. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 refi 34 888-Y-REFI-34. A due, diligence, a due diligence approved form. You will never get a uh, sales pitch from them. You can visit them. They're locally based. They leave the selling up to me. They just like talking about what they do and letting it speak for itself. Charles is in Phoenix. Hello, Charles. Yes, sir. I think it's a mistake to throw Trump under the bus, and I, I wish that they, both Trump and DeSantis, would just get along, and I regret that Trump said what he said. I wish he wouldn't have done that. I I think it would be best for the nation to have both of those men in as long as they can get. And if DeSantis wants to horn Trump off of the track, I would think... If DeSantis has the well-being of the nation in mind, he would want Trump to go ahead and run out another four years. And then he, being a young man, has eight years ahead of him. And uh, they could do that. You could have 16 total years of a good president rather than... Yeah, no, that's a very good analysis. But let me throw a couple caveats your way and see what you think of them, if I might, Charles. Just a couple thoughts um, uh, to be devil's advocate for a moment. Um, if you're Ron DeSantis and your governor, term limited, by the way, that he can't run more than this term. This is his last term as governor. 
um, you know, you're you're casting out from another four years from now. You don't you don't know what the landscape may look like. I mean, he's riding at his at his peak right now. Um, so if if he has to wait another eight years, let us say, it it, it may be we don't know what the world looks like, much less what his chances or, or the country looks like. That's that's one thing to consider. And then the other question I would ask you is this. In your heart of hearts, who do you think has a better chance of winning another national race at this point, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? I think they're both equally – they would both do equally well if they were united and not fighting each other. And I also think that Trump has a slight advantage in that – He's been directly affected by the deep state, yeah. and he knows who all the rats are, yeah. and he's got people like Manafort and all of those guys. Like, who was the general that they threw into jail for two, two years? Flynn. Was Flynn. Who, who? I think you're thinking of General Flynn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Flynn. Yeah. And apparently he knew where all the bodies were buried. And I just think from that standpoint, from deconstructing the deep state and all of those rats that are in there, it might be better to have Trump in first— and then followed by eight years of DeSantis, that would be a, a blessing, I think. Well, it's it, it it it's it's as it's as good an argument for Trump as as I have heard. Um, you and I might disagree a little bit on it, but I, th- I this this is a very good argument, Charles. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a question of what we see here. And and I heard uh, Dennis Prager talking about it with oh my gosh, Steve Cortez, I think it was earlier today. And they were they were kind of Dennis was more where I was. And I think Steve was more where Charles was. Um, To be fair, you can go listen and tell me if I got that wrong. But I think I'm right about that. Um, Let me put in one more word for Ron, because I thought Steve made an interesting point that Charles would probably agree with. Um, Steve made the interesting point that that Donald Trump has an ability that has been proven to attract non-traditional Republicans. Um, I think it's true in the past, and it may be true again in the future. One thing that cannot be overlooked, I think, is the fact that when Ron DeSantis ran four years ago, he won by about a percent. He won by 20 on Tuesday, 20 that's not just going to be in four years Republicans waking up and saying I'm still a Republican voting for DeSantis. I, I think that's worth thinking about. Anyway, uh, let me go to Susan in Scottsdale. Hello, Susan. Hi, Seth. I agree with the guy that spoke just before me. Charles, yes. I think that Trump, um, and and I've been in politics a long time, he's the first president that has ever done what he said he would do. And he did it, even when he was impeached twice, even when they were suing him, no matter what they were doing to him, he still did what needed to be done. Yep. And he almost brought, brought peace to the Middle East. Yep. I, I, yes. No, I mean, I, I not almost. I mean, I would is, say it was more pacific than at any other time in the past. He's an incredible. I, I, I think he deserves the, uh, the, the, the Nobel Peace Prize for what he did in the Middle East. We're in very troubled times. Yeah. Our country is, is, is sitting in a very dangerous place, the way the Democrats are talking about all the mega people. I agree with you about that. I agree with you. And putting people in jail for uh, over a year 
in solitary confinement and they're Americans. This is not the American way. We need someone in there who's tough and who's going to go after this and stop it because we're going to lose this country. And DeSantis, I think he's wonderful. But, you know, he, he just may have this big, wonderful win. Well, don't let that take your eye off the ball. No, but also in fairness, if I might, Susan, in fairness, if I might, look at the fights he waged and won against Disney, against against transgenderism and teaching kids the that critical race theory. I mean, those are big, big fights. Also, abortion. Those are all pretty big fights, too. And man, I in fairness, I think it's it's, you know, with Trump out of office, the media, you have to look back at the last two years. The media made Ron DeSantis their Donald Trump. Um, They went after him. Uh, fork and tongue as sharply as they did Trump for the very same reasons, which was he showed up, he fought, and he won. Uh, But but I take everything you say, and it's part of the equation. Sandy's in Scottsdale. Hello, Sandy. Oh, hi, Seth. Um, I agree with your previous two callers, Uh uh, absolutely. And I think... um, Trump is a person to be there. DeSantis is very good, and I think he should follow up. But I think he is more vulnerable. He's he's very young, so he has to look forward to a longer career. And uh, Trump has already made his career, made his money. His his family has grown, so he has nothing uh, that to gain from that except that he wants to do something for the country. Not that not that DeSantis would not, but he has to think about his very young family. And going forward, even if he puts in uh, eight years in the presidency, he's going to have a career after that, and he's going to be more malleable. He also has a, a wife, uh, bless her heart, I pray that she's well, yes. but she's had some challenges, and that may may stay that way or may go away. Uh, uh, we don't know on that. So there's a lot of things with Trump, and then he may be leaving at a bad time to leave uh, the state of Florida without a good governor, and that has a lot of electoral votes there. But, yeah, uh-huh. no, I, I'm sorry, I just have to hit the break. Sandy, well put. Thank you much. Um, we'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by Bingo Reverse Mortgage. Inflation is slamming retirees, throwing retirement budgets into chaos. With inflation at a 40-year high, the dollar isn't going as far as it did just months ago. With gas prices sky high, grocery prices increasing over 13% since July, and a recession looming, aging adults are struggling to make ends meet. A reverse mortgage could be the safety net you need to get through these hard times by allowing you to convert the equity in your home into cash. A reverse mortgage could put more money in your pocket for living expenses, help you fight inflation, make your investments last longer, and give you the security in your retirement that you deserve. Call the veteran-owned and veteran staff bingo team at 928-277-4476. That's 928-277-4476 right here in Arizona. Or visit bingoreversemortgage.com. That's bingoreversemortgage.com. Mention this ad and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. Uh, Mike is in Scottsdale. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Time. Good. Um, I called because I'm going to take exception to the last three callers. Okay. Not because I dislike, not because I dislike Trump. Yeah. But because I think Trump has exceeded his apex, and my belief is that he has way too much baggage. He did not win the popular election in 2016. He won. Uh, fair and square, but he won uh, by a by a luck of the electorate. Um, 
And I believe that he brings so much, so much damage, so much damaged goods with him that it becomes a distraction to the objective of the party. It's not about the Donald Trump personality cult. And I think that we've gotten away from that uh, to a certain extent uh, on the right. The other issue I have with him, and I'll be frank, is his age. Um, I am not happy with how old Biden is and how quickly he's deteriorated, obviously. And I don't know that Trump is going to be able to uh, avoid the same pitfalls. Ronald Reagan couldn't avoid those pitfalls. I just think that he's going to be much too old to run. I think he has way too much baggage. And there's other ways for him to help the party. If he was really serious about helping the party, he'd throw in 100% with DeSantis and grow the party as you describe how Reagan or Goldwater tried to go grow the party. Thank That's you. just my view. Yeah, no, thank you. It's interesting. Thank you, Mike. It's interesting as we go to the top of the hour break. We can continue this conversation with Sam Stone. He may uh, have a different point of view as well uh, from me. Uh, all fine. Uh, whatever you want. But it is interesting to me that I have noted up until now these callers most strenuously in support of Trump tend to be female. That's interesting. I would not have necessarily predicted that. We can continue the conversation. We have a lot to talk about with Sam. When you know as much as Sam, you have a lot to talk about, or at least I do with him. I am Seth Liebson. Feel free to um, weigh in on the Trump DeSantis thing or anything else. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 